they've been posting about Mads Mikkelsen doing an interview where he talks about method acting. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, I shared that with Kelly yeah. Sue. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. That was like, I love it. It's hilarious. It was yeah. Especially hilarious. because he's like, so what if you're playing a serial killer? Like, yeah. like and what do you do? Who would know better than him? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, what about bad movies? Yeah. yeah that was my favorite what, of, yeah. what if the movie's shit yeah <laughs> like i, I think you it. should take your method acting and you should cram it up your freaking cram hole <laughs> hello and welcome to murder husbands an in-depth episode by episode discussion of brian fuller's hannibal based on characters from the novels by thomas harris we are popsicle a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together have big conversations for big stories and i am philip hello welcome as always um the rest of my team here uh popsicle team members uh we've got claire thorne how are you doing claire thorne i'm very good 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 uh you've uh, uh survived this last week i got we're like literally we, we were, we're recording this like five minutes after we recorded the last episode but we're gonna pretend sure like I've... it's been a week yeah, I'm not Give sure I survived the last five minutes, but sure. Yeah. I guess, yeah, you had like a Good. week and five minutes right there, didn't you? Yeah. Um, it'll get better. Uh, that is how pandemic slash post-pandemic <laughs> time happens, though. So that's true. That's yeah, true. Seems right. Uh, we've also got Lisa K. Weber. Hey, Lisa. Hello, it's me. How's your five-minute-long week been? Um, you know, like those. Um, like a, like a yeah. regular one, like good. any of the others. Good, good, <laughs> uh, good, good. good. Uh, we've got her uh, teammate in creation, Kelly Sue Milano. Hey, Kelly Sue. Hello. How's it going? It's going good. Excellent. Has your cat stepped into anything else recently? No. Okay. Ugh. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, and uh, we got Justin Peniston. Hi, Justin. How are you today, sir? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Fantastic. Uh, I, I always love sitting down with y'all. Um, but uh, before we dive into this discussion of the number of the beast is 666, uh, Claire and Kelly Sue are going to take us through a uh, reading of the synopsis. Ooh, here we go. Girding our loins, ready. Will continues to confide in Bedelia about the actual horror that is his life, especially after having a dream where he sees Molly as the woman clothed in sun, sitting at the dragon's feet with mirrors for eyes. I mean, I would get my ass in the chair of any qualified professional, even if it is Bluebeard's wife. Bedelia takes the comparison and throws it right back at Will, in effect being like, joke's on you, friend, you are the wife. She suggests that Hannibal is in love with Will and asks if he aches for Hannibal too. While that is happening, Jack visits Hannibal in his cell where they discuss who is the devil, the dragon, and the lamb. Hannibal says that Will is the lamb and the lamb is becoming the lion and this may be even more dangerous than the dragon. The person murdering families is the most dangerous, just so we're clear. Continuing with the metaphor, since Will is the lamb and they're trying to catch a dragon, the opportunity to use Will as bait seemed pretty upfront. Will acts all, how dare you even suggest it? And all of us, including Jack and Alana, are like, um, it was your idea. And he's like, oh shit, you're right. Yes, we better call Freddie Lowndes. Alana's willing to enlist Freddie Lowndes so long as they have a professional voice to back up all of the insulting things they're about to sling at the Toothberry. 
Ilana knows better and Will says this person would have to be a fool. Quick edit to Frederick Chilton being dramatic as fuck at Hannibal. Frederick is pissed because Hannibal refuted everything Frederick wrote in his book, even though it was in service of Hannibal. Frederick actually calls Hannibal bitchy to his face, and if it wasn't for his total lack of awareness in thinking Hannibal wouldn't betray him, I'd be like, Chilton for the win! What's funny is that this entire episode is about Chilton not for the win. <laughs> Everyone gathers to put together lots of incendiary words about dollar hide, such as he's a pervert, a sexual failure, product of an incestuous home. And then Will and Chilton take a cute picture together for the cover, making sure some DC monuments are featured so the dragon knows where they are. Jack thinks the plot is risky. <laughs> This is the plot that's risky. <laughs> and, and Will reminds him that at least they're keeping Dollar Hyde from targeting any families, which is true. However, he just ends up targeting Chilton. Frederick is abducted and in short order, stripped naked and glued to a wheelchair. We've seen this move before. Dollar Hyde has big plans for making Chilton pay for the tabloid garbage. But just as he's about to get started, he's interrupted by the doorbell. It's Reba. She's come to talk about the breakup, and the only thing that keeps Chilton quiet is the dragon's promise to kill her if he makes a sound. Reba says she loves him, and that they share a reflex to reject love because of their respective disabilities. She finally leaves, and Dollarhide gets back to it. He makes Frederick look at his face, watch a slideshow of his murder scenes, and eventually videotape a hostage message. Then he bites his fucking lips off and sends them to Hannibal. Petty murderers are too much. Back at the nut house, Lana watches as Hannibal receives a package from Dollarhide, you know, the one with the lips, and the FBI swoops in pronto. A lip is now missing, and when they ask where it went, we cut to a truly amazing moment of Hannibal eating it. Jack and Alana are realizing their plan backfired, you think? Because Frederick is missing and Hannibal doesn't miss the chance to point out it's Alana's fault, seeing as she could have provided the same information to tattle crime. The team watches the tape and Will all but collapses in distress as Chilton is attacked by Dollarhide. He heads to Bedelia to unpack it all and she pulls no punches, saying in effect that he knew what he was doing and he wanted to serve Chilton up on a platter. She continues on by saying that Will is Hannibal's agency in the world, and he's being played, just like he was played every other goddamn time. And this time, Chilton takes the real fall as he is set ablaze in his wheelchair in the style of Freddie Lowndes, faux Freddie Lowndes. Unfortunately for him, he lives. In Jack's word, words, he's trashed, but Will still visits him and asks for information the actual nerve for real chilton tells them about reba but not before he can level will with the world's most deserved guilt trip speaking of reba she's kidnapped she wakes up in the back of dollarhide's van bound and gagged they reach his home and dollarhide tries to share his becoming with her even though she has no idea what is going on or of the mass killings or any of the creepy shit in his house she finally realizes she's in the den of the Tooth Fairy, and he corrects her, saying, I am the dragon. Wow, did everyone in this episode <laughs> have a terrible day. Yes. Yes. 
even I did watching wow. this episode. Oh, uh, good lord! Yeah, this is a rough one. Yeah, it's a really rough one. Y'all, y'all were like, "Hey, you know, he's gonna get it again. Chilton's gonna get it again." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And oh, man. after they bit his lips off, that's when I texted y'all. It was like motherfuckers. <laughs> like, <I was> like, <laughs> what? You, like, what, what is going on? And then they burn him. They burn him mm -hmm. to a crisp. Huh? He looks like a charred marshmallow at a campout when yep. this is all said and done. Um, you can even see the white uh, of the teeth and it's uh, good Lord. I love that whole scene where Jack is like, what is he saying? And I'm like, Jack, oh. just pretend. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's so funny because that scene, like these, I, I felt so bad for Chilton, but also these scenes were making me laugh at the same time because that Jack's attitude in that moment was making me laugh. I was like, good Lord. Like they still don't care about him. Like it was just oh. the, like, and I, I mean, let's, I, that, we're, we're starting with Chilton anyway. So, uh, you know, the, there's a couple of lines there <laughs> which are great. That the whole exchange with Hannibal is amazing. Do you think I'm your nemesis? And Hannibal's response is perfect. Like, no, you're not even on that level. Uh, and, and it was moments like that that always made me feel like, oh, Chilton's got what's coming for him, you know? He's just kind of this ass that puts himself in these situations that he isn't, not until this episode. This episode, I was very much on Chilton's, I, I felt so terrible for him. Um, uh, and then especially when we get a look at what Will Graham was, you know, really up to, uh, kind of, uh, for, you know, very much so. Uh, and Raul Esparza's performance is like he is bearing everything like his soul is right there and it's incredible so let's let's talk about our maybe our last moment with Chilton before the series is done I don't know what happens next episode but um please uh, lay it on me teammates like what do we think wow. of Chilton um I just want I will I will start by talking about Raul Esparza and his performance in this episode, because holy shit, it's so incredible. The way he is during the entire sequence with Francis, how like he communicates how fucking terrified he is, obviously, and communicates this desperation to survive and like trying all of these different tactics to like try and make it out of this alive. Um, and he does. Like Kelsey <laughs> said, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but like, but even to like when Reba shows up and he doesn't say anything um, because he knows that Reba will get killed if he makes a sound. And so even in a moment like that, it's like he becomes this kind of low-key hero in a way. Um, that I never saw any of that in his character before this moment. And um, the performance in the hospital afterwards, like, so he's not the first character who has lost lips on this show, but he's the first actor to actually speak as if he doesn't have lips because um, both actors who played, um, you know, Berger. Okay. Berger. Berger. <laughs> um, both of them, when they lost their lips, still spoke their lines as if they had lips. And um, I, so I just want to appreciate Raul Esparza for actually delivering his lines as someone who no longer has lips. 
um thanks for did Aaron yeah and I mean just and like you said it was just like this is the first episode where it's like I really feel for Chilton I mean how can you not after all of that and what he gives it because even you know we know that from watching red dragon that like this character is traditionally freddie lowndes um that this happens to and um you don't feel the same heartbreak yeah. when it happens to Freddie Lowndes as when it happens to Frederick Chilton because of the way Raul Esparza has played him, not only in this episode, but really this entire series. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that they, it's a question of intelligence for me in terms, uh, because at the beginning of this episode with Chilton, it's like, what the fuck are you doing still poking this nest of hornets you should know better you should be a million miles away from this and he still lets his outrageous ego drive him to like i'm gonna use this to make everybody think i'm the best thing ever and it's just like how you can value that at this point in your story with these people i I think it's why it's so important that we get the scene with hannibal Mm-hmm. I mean, his performance in that scene is just as incredible as every other scene yeah. where he's like, you can tell he's trying so hard to stay cool mm. and is just failing. Yeah. He's just and- like, I mean, he's literally, I, 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 I'm trying to think of an, an analogy and I can't find one, but he's so emotional about Hannibal making him look like a fool on this public stage yeah. that- he's driven to go and redeem himself with this insanity because you're totally right, Claire, that he's like pride is sort of above all else, including, I guess, yeah. his life well, and skin and lips. And my sense of it's my all sense he of has. How, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. His position has been taken from him. Mm-hmm. You know, his health has been taken from him. He doesn't have the respect of anyone who he wants to respect him. Mm-hmm. So this like this potential public adulation that he could get from his writings is all that he has Mm -hmm. so he clings to it desperately right and and the audience has been led to mock chilton the way all of these characters which i would lay equal blame on jack alana and will Mm -hmm. about throwing chilton to the dragon Mm -hmm. um as it were um it, he's just not, he, we were led to understand he's just not bright. And so to give this character, this, the moment with Dollar Hyde, um, that scene is one of the, the whole Dollar Hyde Chilton scene is one of my favorite in the whole series. It's just brilliantly done. And yes, Raul Esparza brings it home and you feel, you actually feel that like, oh, okay, this is, this is, Chilton's like moment of actual being of actual truth like he is completely stripped away from everything else that's been important to him ever in his whole life and in that moment guess what he can do react intelligently he doesn't dissolve into you know hysteria I would dissolve into hysteria there I would not be able to utter one word that was coherent in that situation and he actually 
engages in some intelligent, purposeful um, attempt to connect with Dollar Hyde in a way that's going to save his life. And I love it. So it's so, yeah. And it brings him at the end of his character arc to a place where I'm like, oh, okay, I can feel sorry now for for (laughs) Chilton. I have not done that before, but I'll do it today. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watched it three times over the last, these episodes, the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, that, that entire sequence like was truly affected every time um, for all the reasons, the camera angles, the, the blocking, the, like it was incredible um, his performance, especially. Um, but on the swing side of, did everybody get in what they wanted to say about Chilton? Oh, I, I, I mean, the thing about Chilton that I, I mean, I said half of what I wanted to say. The other thing is sure. simply that, we as an audience collectively not just us but you know the audience in general we are conditioned by what we see in the media to despise cowardice mm-hmm. and chilton is a coward and has been a coward all along you know um and we despise you know venality we despise you know selfish pettiness like all these things are things that we are programmed to dislike in media and he's all of those things and so there is intended to be a certain glee at what happens to Chilton, you know? Um, and I feel it. I, I feel it 100%. I do sort of, you know, <laughs> revel in the awfulness of what happens to Chilton. But I will agree that this is the first time I was like, this is fucked up. I feel like it's one thing to laugh at the things that happened to Chilton. It's another thing to feel like the rest of the cast, particularly Will, have turned on him. Yeah, and, and that's, are, yeah. you know, staking him out for the Predator. Um, I think Jack was simply naive. I think Jack legitimately thought the Dollar High would go after Will. Um, I think Alana hoped she would go after Will, <laughs> but... <laughs> you know, didn't believe it enough to stand in Chilton's place. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, And I think Will very much knew, very much guided Dollar Hyde after, you know, and that's just... And that's that's where we're going to go now. We're going to talk about asshole Will Graham uh, for a little bit here. Um, (laughs) Because this is my, I mean, honestly, this is the first time this series where I have not been on his side at all. Uh, in the events that transpired. I didn't feel um, anything that he did was uh, uh, justified in this episode pertaining to Chilton. Um, there was a the disconnect between myself and and Will Graham. And there's talk about his righteousness, like having righteous act of motivation, you know, like as a motivation. And there's talk about him being uh, Hannibal's agency in the world. Uh, which I think is really interesting. In last episode, we, we started getting into a lot of this already. Um, but, uh, you know, they talking about Will Graham's person suit. What kind of, how long did he wear? How deep is his person suit? Like how, you know, um, thick is that skin now that he's had to wear that is now, you know, starting to shed again. Um, obviously, I, I don't know what happens next in the framework of the, the TV series. But, you know, you put somebody's family in peril um, you're kind of giving them something to take it away to push them to the next step of becoming, right? Um, in a sense. Uh, so yeah, let's let's uh, let's dig into Will Graham a little bit again here. Um, 
Like, it, I mean, what does righteousness allow us? Uh, an act of righteousness? Because I, I mean, yeah, go ahead, Kelly. I think, or Lisa. Oh, sorry, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt Kelly. Sue, go oh, on. no, I was just. I, I saw a thought formulating. <laughs> I was taking in the weight of um, righteousness. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah will is right in the fact that you know by creating this diversion he is technically keeping dollar hide from murdering other families but that's sort of the trick with righteousness right it feels so right <laughs> and yet it's kind of you just trying to do a job that's not yours to do, um, which is legitimately, like I feel that anytime anybody is in self-righteousness, they're trying to take credit for something that they didn't actually do. They just think that they did it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's like, you can't, he can't be like, well, I saved families. Well, you didn't. You just gave a murderer somebody else to murder. <laughs> you know, you didn't actually save anybody. Um, and I think that that is, that this becomes a really interesting, again, it's so hard to talk about this without talking about <laughs> the next episode. Um, but it sets up this beautiful, um, this sort of thread that we all uh, come to walk at the end of this season and really this show where it's like, what does it mean to be good and do the right thing? And yeah. is, that, is that really what's going to save people from these out of control chaotic forces that are serial killers, right? Um, these crazy sons of bitches. These great. <laughs> listen, I don't know why mad men do what they do. <laughs> right. I um, think it's it's yeah. easy to get lulled into. Like, I mean, the show. It you kind of get lulled into this place of seeing Will as a victim, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it spends a lot of time kind of putting you in that space where you see Will as a victim, and so you want to have this. You want to have compassion for him. You want to see him as the good guy. Um, but this show is has always been, like through all of the episodes, has always been really good about making you question what exactly is good, what is what exactly is evil, and like that it all exists on a spectrum. And so you do want to be careful about like how you identify with a character that you perceive as being good because they don't owe you that. Like they are like a well-drawn character is a full person and people are complicated. People are not all good and they're not all bad. They exist on the spectrum. And Will has all, and as ever, Will has existed on the spectrum in a very fluid way. He like goes back and forth and, um, you know, this, this just, I, it's like this whole idea of Will's person suit 
is so confused and confusing because he doesn't know where it ends. Like he doesn't know who he is. That's been happening this whole time. Like he's so easily influenced, but who is he without the influence? And I don't think that there's an easy answer to that. And I don't think that the next episode isn't going to answer that either. Mm. Um, so, I mean, shit. It's just really complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good, good, good conclusion. <laughs> you know, truly, truly doing good on the behalf of other people requires that you take into consideration the wants and needs and thoughts and feelings of the other people and doing good that has a sense of righteousness tacked on to it in my eyes means that you are forgoing all of that and you are doing the good that you in your omniscient <laughs> you know i know what's right for everybody um which is how god was always portrayed for me at least um that and that it's very, very dangerous for humans to do that because you you can't you can't take on that knowledge for someone else. And in this case, you know, Will is truly, I think, still performing the actions of doing good, the actions of a good person, but it is out of that righteousness that self-righteousness that, you know, it's frankly, that's when, you know, that's how we get things like the, the inquisition, right? Like we're doing good, but we're going to tell you what that good is for you and tie you to up to a stake and burn you at the stake. Um, Self-righteousness is the lifeblood of codependency. Mm -hmm. And I think well, that we yeah. can say that Will's pretty codependent. Okay. You think? Well, yeah. and, and that's all Hannibal is in a way mm -hmm. is I know what's best. I know the way the universe should be. And I, I will do everything out of, of just this sense of, I know it, the only thing he knows is what he deems to be good. Hannibal? What he deems to yeah. be right. I don't think Hannibal right. has no, no, no. Like, no, illusion. I don't think about... that's Hannibal at all. I think Hannibal doesn't what? care. Oh, I think he does care about. I think he. Right I and think wrong? he wants to think he doesn't. No, no, he doesn't care about right and wrong. He cares about what he thinks is the good, and that is entirely. You have to envision a god who has created a world and believes absolutely that everything in front of him is for his own well enjoyment right and like he it believes is... in his own sense of right and wrong i mean we're not saying right. that he believes in society's sense right. of what's right does, and wrong well, i'm not talking think, about that he at believes all. very much in his yeah. own sense that he's created just like god yeah he, he's, well, he's he believes in he his own he's sense of what's right and what's wrong what's wrong is rudeness yeah. What's right, right is eating people who are rude. And Hannibal, <laughs> and Hannibal knows what is right and good in his mind for Will. And he is going to move towards that, that end without stopping and never questioning his, his, um, his omniscience in that. 
know. I don't know if he's got, I don't know if it's right or wrong so much as it's like he, a like or dislike. Whether something I, I'm is not saying right, right or wrong Will inter- or what's best for Will, I don't think that, I don't think he's deluding himself in that way. I don't think that he is, I, I don't think that he thinks I'm doing what's best for Will. I no, think he I, thinks you, I'm doing what I want to do. That is exactly what I'm saying. And it's just semantics that are hanging us up here. Again, when I use the words best and good has nothing to do with the classic definition of best and good. It is what Hannibal in his own mind has created. Everything is his universe. It is Hannibal's best and good that I'm talking about. I think what I, I guess my point in in pushing back against that is that Will does have a, a delusion of righteousness. Will does think that Will is still clinging to the idea that he's doing what's best for others. And I don't mm-hmm. think Hannibal has any sort of connection to that idea. I he's, think we're doing a thing again where we're, I think where it's where we're all agreeing. agreeing. Yeah, you're, yeah, I, 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 I do you're think saying that exactly where thing we're all agreeing again. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, but, but yeah. I think yeah. it's, I guess, I just think it's wrong to call Hannibal right to, to, to use the word righteous in respect to Hannibal. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, you're still tying the definition of righteousness to a tangible definition of moral good. And I don't do that anymore because I don't believe God can be that. Like I, I automatically. Well, I I think it's, no, I think it's not about, I'm tying it to what's best and good. I think I'm tying it to, to intent. Like righteousness is at its core, right or wrong, the intent or the delusion that you are doing what's best for others or and the mm-hmm. world, you know. And I don't think Hannibal has that delusion. I don't either. Okay. Mm. We're agreeing. Okay. He sees his world as absolute. He sees this as a snow globe he has created. And he's doing it for the what he thinks is best for his, you know, um, his, his whole... I'm sorry. Yeah. Can we get a Will Graham snow globe? <laughs> yes, please. That yes. would be amazing. Please. Well, yeah. Just the opening, and it has to be the opening visuals of the the blood slash wine kind of like thing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Also, anyway. very like Saint Elsewhere vibes, which I oh. think tie in very nicely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well. We are the whole deep show cut. gonna just be Hannibal's wow. dream from his cell? Yes, exactly. <laughs> sorry, but <laughs> no. If it. If Saint Elsewhere can be spoiled for you, <laughs> get out. That's um, your own fault. <laughs> amazing. Uh, did Did anybody have any other thoughts on Will Graham before we go to break? Uh, oh, here. Oh yeah. Go oh, for only it. that. I think oh, that we oh. Will is full on in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. No. She she hit her she hit mute and unmuted and it was an awkward moment. I was okay. I was <laughs> signaling. And honestly, what I have to say is probably not going to be as smart as what you're about to say, Justin. <laughs> so go and say your thing first. Oh, I, I wow. I, okay, no pressure. Um, I was simply <laughs> going to say that I think Will is in full on, you know, Hannibal Junior mode. That he is, mm. you know, he basically aimed dollar hide at at uh chilton because he wanted to he was curious what would happen yeah you know and i think that has become his and so if we're talking about becoming a lot in this particular storyline and in you know the entirety i feel like at this point 
to a certain degree, Will has become, you know, whether he will further become or become something else down the line of the series, we may never know. But, you know, I think at this point, he has become, you know, he, he may not be a murderer in the same sense that Hannibal is, but he is doing, he is doing evil shit out of curiosity now. Mm-hmm. So that's my will mm-hmm. take right now. My final will take for this question um, is more about Will and Bedelia. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I haven't shipped these two before this rewatch (laughs) (laughs) because I am really digging these vibes they have with each Mm -hmm. other. The shared like Bluebeard experience that they're having with each other and Will being like, I see you. Um, is it just turns me on for some reason. I'm really digging yeah. it. Ooh, I'm like, digging uh, like some, uh, like some hate sex fan fiction. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Love All right. It. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, good way to leave our audience. So you're sort of like, the, the like that. X of my X is my hate sex. You know? Yes. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yes. Love it. Um, so <laughs> consider that as we go to break, uh, and you know, we'll be right back. <laughs> This episode of the Popsicle Podcast is brought to you this month by HunterBlackComics.com. Hunter Black is the best damn hard-boiled fantasy webcomic on the internet. Just ask series creators Justin Penniston and William Orr. If Tarantino, Tolkien, and Tartakovsky made a webcomic, it might be half the two-fisted tale of blood-soaked revenge that Hunter Black is. Maybe. There's a new page every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and it's absolutely free. So what are you waiting for? HunterBlackComics.com, because you need a comic that'll kick your ass. Bravo. That That was my feeling. That sounded really good. I mean, I'm happy with that. Me too. If Justin isn't, then he can fuck himself. I hope you send him that in the recording (laughs) of that ad. I'm going to. I'm going to. I, I, I think so. I think so. For all our fanables out there, if you're enjoying this conversation, we have an announcement. The next series that we are excited to be tackling is David Lynch and Mark Frost's classic murder mystery, Twin Peaks. We will be discussing everything canon, the only way Popsicle knows how, by being awesome. You can expect episodes to begin airing in June after our final episodes of Murder Husbands have dropped. So that's going to be exciting. Um, The best way to keep up with all the goings on with Popsicle is to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you may listen. Follow at popsicle pod on all social media platforms or signed up or you know do both sign up for our newsletter at popsiclepod.com for all upcoming and ongoing podcast and related info that's p-o-p-s-k-l-p-o-d All right, uh, we're back and um, continuing the conversation here. A little bit of what we went over last episode, uh, but I think it 
I think we can dig in a little more deeper with this episode too, because uh, I've been thinking about a lot about becoming and just the implications of that and what what it represents uh, in this show as it kind of molds someone into someone else. In uh, other words, kind of related to that, like awakening, like somebody awakening to who they are, which to me feels very different from becoming. I feel like Jack almost awakened previously to a better version of himself just by by honestly dealing with what he was going through and you know, coming to terms with that. But now I, I don't know what's going on with Jack. Uh, you know what I mean? He, he, like where that awakening has brought him to is, is an interesting place. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I don't really have a question here necessarily. I, I, I keep wondering does, how much does Hannibal actually believe in this idea of becoming or if that's a word he uses to help push people to be chaos in the world, you know, to, to just like be terrible and to give in to those impulses that everybody thinks is bad and evil. Um, but does he like, is it just like something that he uses in speaking to these, you know, people that are obviously disturbed um, or does he actually believe in, the becoming of someone to their darker, more elevated selves? Uh, uh, yes, to every single one of those questions. <laughs> awesome. Oh, sorry, go. I, I was no, just no. saying that, but Kelly no. Sue, go. Yeah, no, it is say. a yes to all of those questions. I think that any time, certainly in the context of this story and of the, you know, taking into account the full uh, expression of the entire canon of these characters in this story using the term becoming and transformation and all of these things. Um, it's just a bunch of people that are really trying to transcend the limits of their own humanity. They're trying to transcend the experience of being human. Um, which is like newsflash, you can't <laughs> unless you die, like, you know? Um, and it's like, it's one of Hannibal's only real delusions, I think, is that like, you can go and be this fancy ass motherfucker all over this grand land. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you're a human being, period. You know, mm -hmm. like you're not, you don't have a special power. And if you do, it's just that you're smart and you can manipulate other people, you know? And I think it's in a way similar with Will where it's like, yes, you have this deep empathy that allows you to step into the, step into the shoes of somebody else. But even that is going to be limited by your humanity because you're ultimately going to use it for, you know, selfish gains and an agenda, you know? So it's like, you can't have all of this power and become the great red dragon and leave your humanity behind unless you actually stop being a human, in which case you're dead and you can't do any of these things. Mm -hmm. um, and that has always been the, the seat of the conflict in all of these stories for me, which is just like, um, y'all are trying to be someone you're not. <laughs> <laughs> something is, you're not exactly yeah. that's what yeah. i that's that's my new those are my, my new tagline hannibal a bunch of dudes trying to be someone they're not and <laughs> hannibal <laughs> yeah i 
I completely agree. And I regrettably, Justin, I'm, I apologize, but it brings it back to my discussion of how you were saying and, that you regrettably agree with me. <laughs> no, I just was regretting for Justin that I'm going to bring this topic up again from the beginning of the episode where it just, that delusion is the world I see that Hannibal believes he occupies where again, all of the definitions of things that would, would explain his motivations are skewed from what we understand. He really does believe that he has become and is this extra human thing. And he believes that he, I mean, that by definition makes you a very lonely entity of what, you know, because there's no one else like him. There's no one to share that universe with. And I think he believes that, that Will can become that as well. It's the first time he's come across someone he thinks is capable of the same becoming that he has achieved. Um, They're so in love with each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that sequence of like, does he feel a pang of hunger for you yet? <laughs> um, find yeah. nourishment at the very sight of you duh will yes he's in love with you yes. it's it's the bizarro it's the bizarro world of you know good intentions in hannibal's mind this what he is manipulating will towards is something that is the best thing possible for will it is the only uh, destiny for will um it's yeah. really again this is the narcissist's real. way of thinking this though mm -hmm. it's like the narcissist's mm -hmm. version of showing love is i'm going to make you the perfect version of you for me yeah which is me i'm, so gonna, I'm make gonna do this me. for you for <laughs> me it's, uh, right. it's the same way the red dragon sees his killing people as you're actually transforming them you're, you're taking mm -hmm. you're taking them you're remolding them into something else by taking away their bodies essentially. and it's the it's the yeah. fundamental like relationship that is built in christian you know the christian idea of god the christian idea of god is an entity that knows best for you and in order to be with him you have to become like him and you have to you know <laughs> two thumbs down <laughs> right yeah because ultimately yeah. the only real way to transcend your humanness is to be in love and is to connect through love and is to share love, not to fucking eat people, <laughs> not to fucking eat people. <laughs> can, we talk, can we talk about the satisfaction and calm like anticipation on Bedelia's face when she's admitting that like oh yeah I know the only way Hannibal is gonna like be rid of me is to eat me like she Girl there's knows something so yeah. twisted well, about her her acceptance of it is oh, her, her great her great line that uh she wishes she was the last of Bluebeard the Bluebeard's wife that Hannibal would have had is really I think mm -hmm. remarkable like but it is it is really a great line um justin what are you what are you thinking about there oh i mean i think in the context of this show from start to finish 
this concept of becoming, you know, has been to me, you know, leaving aside all of the like allusions to the otherworldly and to, to religion and to, you know, transcendence and stuff. It's all about, are you able to become powerful through your trauma? Are you able to turn mm. trauma into something that makes you more powerful than you were? Um, I think that's what, you know, their becoming is. And it leaves behind the, or, or it, it oversimplifies it in such a way as like to say, okay, you can either be someone who hurts people or someone who gets hurt by people. So, you know, if you truly want to become, you know, <laughs> and be happy, you'll become someone who hurts people, you know? And I think, so I think Hannibal, cause Hannibal certainly puts himself on a pedestal above everyone else, you know, but he's also desperately seeking a peer and that's why he feels so powerfully for Will and to a lesser degree for Bedelia because he thinks they have the potential to stand on that exalted pedestal with him. Um, but maybe they haven't been traumatized enough and he needs to put them through more to get them there, you know? Um, I, can I, so I'm, I want to really quickly give a shout out to one of our very dear listeners <laughs> who um, contacts us a lot on Instagram when we post episodes. Um, her name is Agata Prasinska and she's really cool. Um, and she has really good insights and she shared something um, this week about the Bluebeard stuff. Mm. And, um, she talked about, um, this kind of version of Bluebeard called the bloody chamber. And I keep thinking of this one line from this story as we're kind of talking about this exact thing. Um, if I can quote it real quick, it'll take mm -hmm. just a second. Yeah. Um, Yet when he raised his head and stared at me with his blind shuttered eyes as though he did not recognize me, I felt a terrified pity for him, for this man who lived in such strange secret places that if I loved him enough to follow him, I should have to die. And I feel like that is like so perfectly Hannibal and Bluebeard and the people that he brings in where it's like, I want to share this with you. But like you're saying, the only way I can do it is by killing you by murdering some version of you that makes you able to be in this place with me. And um, so that's all just, and it's like the same that Kelly Sue was saying, that it's like in order to truly transition, to truly transform, you have to die, it's death. It's the only answer and love is a form of death as much as murder is, you know what I mean? It's like, we're talking metaphors, obviously, but it's like, I just feel like this Bluebeard thing keeps getting hit over and over again mm -hmm. as we're talking about this very thing. It's- I, I can't help though, at the same time, feeling like, um, and everything you said is spot on. Everything you just said, yeah, I, I, I'm 100% on board with everything you just said. Um, but also for me, at the end of it, none of any of this stuff makes any matters at all unless it's in the context of, of a greater society, of you know people living together, of a community. 
And so all of this to me is a way of trying to pretty up the fact that you actually were broken by your trauma and now are no longer able to function in a society. Mm -hmm. And so like this, you come up with all of these, you know, you use all of these terms, you know, you use righteousness and powerful and becoming an ascendance and, you know, all of this to, to try to pretty up the fact that, yeah, you, you folded under the pressure, you know, (laughs) you you, you freaking, you know, you did not become stronger because of it. Well, and like you're saying, the words, these words have power. So, you know, by reframing it in this way, by saying, oh, this trauma didn't break me. It made me stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, just by virtue of you using these words and using that language, then you can believe it. And, Mm -hmm. and you're literally creating yourself this snow globe world to live Mm -hmm. in where you're saying this is how the world is and this is how i am in it and all of it is complete in reality people are picking it up and being like this is a snow globe (laughs) of a punk bitch (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah oh this is um there's a reason why snow globes are fragile yeah i really just wanted to put a nice intellectual tag at the end of this i like it i like it i love it no this is a good place to leave it because there's a lot more to discuss and we've got two more episodes after this to do it in um and all this is just a reason why you need to keep coming back even when we're talking about twin peaks this is this is how we treat stuff like we're going to stop talking about hannibal when we're watching (laughs) i know like hannibal's definitely gonna be coming up also don't come back i'm not gonna be needy with anybody listening to this we don't do this for you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, after after you just left, after you just left our listeners dead, they're all dead now. I think that's a good time to go to our exquisite corpse. Murdered. Uh, they yes. are murdered. Our audience, the exquisite corpse. Yep. <laughs> go ahead, Lisa. You are you are the exquisite corpse holder. Oh, this I week. am the exquisite corpse this week. <laughs> So you know, just real. Oh, (laughs) no, no. Fortunately, oh god, if if I had only just realized this, I'd be like, oh, Um, no, I knew. Um, I don't know if anyone was expecting me to talk about Frederick Chilton, but I'm not. I can never actually watch that scene. Like I watch it like oh, with my hands over my uh, eyes. Yeah. Because it's so um, awful. Yeah. And he technically doesn't die. So he's not a yeah. corpse. Yeah. And he is hardly exquisite. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. Oh. I just say, oh. Chilton can't get it. any love even as a corpse. <laughs> I mean, at some point. Before you move on to the actual exquisite corpse, I just want to say, yeah, yeah, I totally it. missed in this rewatch Hannibal sucking his lips into his mouth oh my god somehow like so hilarious when when freaking um when we were reading the recap I was like wait we see it and so I literally went online and rewatched it and found I was like oh yeah (laughs) it's wonderful my god it reminds me of did you, you guys remember the faculty Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that movie. Yeah. Underrated. Love that underrated movie. 90s. Totally movie. underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Totally underrated. Oh, my God. That whole, yeah. that little snippet reminds me of the faculty. Love it. <laughs> it is absolutely hilarious, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine style cut sequence. To yeah. That. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
anyway, um, so <laughs> if that's, so as, if we just talk about Chilton's lips <laughs> as the first part of this exquisite corpse, that's great. Um, no, I was going to talk about, <laughs> I was going to talk about the death of Will's salvation. Um, <clears throat> R.I.P. Bye. Because like the, we start the entire episode with his vision of Molly as the woman clothed in sun. And um, he's talking to Bedelia and he's like explaining that he's seeing her in these visions. And Bedelia's like, do you see yourself as the person killing her? And he says, yes. Um, because, you know, that's what he does in his visions. He's, he is, he embodies a murderer. So, um, and that's obviously what like Molly and this family life that he had set up, he had set up to be his salvation. And I mean, in like, you know, scripture or whatever, this woman clothed in the sun, <laughs> Do you like that, Claire? That's my favorite part of this whole episode. Scripture. <laughs> in scripture or whatever. Or whatever. Um, <laughs> the woman clothed in the sun is like representative of salvation. Like mm -hmm. she is, that's what she represents. Yeah. Um, she like is birthing all of the new followers of the Christian God. In Catholicism, and literally Mary, who like, that's yeah. how she's interpreted. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. she is like this, she is supposed to represent salvation. So the fact that it's like, Will is seeing Molly in this place is like just um, bing bong, bye to <laughs> any salvation for Will. And then we go on to see him like really just without it for the rest of this mm -hmm. episode. And the fact that it's like, he fully sees her in the way that the red dragon creates his victims with the mirrors and everything. Mm. So he can see himself in this position of power is, um, it's just, there it is. Yeah. There it is, there it for is. You. I mean, all the symbolism you need this on this that is, exquisite corpse i love it i love it this is a show that wants to be seen and wants to be understood and wants mm -hmm. to be read and I, you know, I was joking a couple episodes patting myself on the back or whatever but like literally from the very beginning of the show the show wants to be seen and read in this sort of way and they do everything they can to let the audience know that that's what they're doing and it's mm -hmm. it's a beautiful show uh thank you lisa um any any comments on uh lisa's exquisite corpse <laughs> yeah that was wonderful um on. justin uh take us out with a recommendation please okay um so as you know magical realistic this show is and how like an artsy fartsy this show is um it's still at its core in many ways a procedural mm -hmm. um and recently, one of my favorite comic authors published his first novel. Um, his name is Fabian Nicieza. Uh, famously wrote 
uh, it probably, well, the thing he's probably most famous for is that he's a co-creator of Deadpool. You know, Rob Liefeld created the look and gets most of the credit for it, but it was Nicieza Fabian who um, gave him his personality. You know, That's like cool. I think Liefeld would have had him be a, 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 a bit more of a hard ass, I think. Really? I can't and, imagine that. From oh, and it was Nicieza is the one who started with all that snark and Joe Kelly and Christopher Priest and Gail Simone all took that ball and ran with it. And now he's, you know, Ryan Reynolds. Um, God's perfect idiot. <laughs> um, he also created, uh, he also wrote the New Warriors, um, which was, uh, for lack of a better term, it was Marvel's version of the Teen Titans for a while. Um, and was a fantastic book. And it was the first really mainstream comic to me that made a concentrated effort and succeeded at being truly like ethnically diverse mm -hmm. and bringing more women to the table and actually having disabled superheroes. I mean, there was a, a superhero named Silhouette who was on crutches and, you know, her legs didn't really work and she wasn't, and it wasn't, she wasn't staying behind like Professor X. She was there, you know, she was, and it was a really good comic, you know? I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a message comic. It was a comic, you know? Um, so I I've always been a fan of his. And then he releases his first novel, a book called Suburban Dicks. And lo and behold, it is set in that part of New Jersey where my mother is from. <laughs> like there are landmarks in this book that you know he talks about streets that I have walked down do you know what I'm saying and I was really really thrilled with it and so I was like okay I have to buy this book so I bought the Kindle edition and devoured this book and it's filled with the snark that we come to associate with Deadpool um, it is a truly diverse story about diverse ideas. I mean, race is at the center of this book. It is a murder mystery. And maybe best of all, the two main characters, the main character, the detective, is a suburban mother of four who gave up on her dreams of becoming an FBI profiler because she got pregnant when she didn't want to be. And she's, she's seven months pregnant with her fifth child. And she is investigating a murder where she stumbles across the crime scene because one of her kids has to pee and it's at a gas station and they pull over and her child, she's literally holding her child who's pissing on the crime scene and she's taking <laughs> it in and like, and like she, her brain is active, reactivated. That part of herself is reactivated. And it is an amazing, fun, funny, smart debut novel. Um, and amazing. I really, really yeah. liked it. Um, except for being in many ways a procedural, it's not like Animal at all, you know? But mm. man, it was a delight. I really enjoyed it. I'm really happy. Uh, Fabian Nicias is a Facebook friend of mine. Uh, we, we have chatted here and there. He's a very nice man. And like, I'm thrilled that his book has done well enough that the sequel will be out this summer. 
Amazing. So I think you should check cool. out Suburban Dicks. I've been I looking see. for something to read. And honestly, and I would want a pregnant mom of five solving my fucking murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mom. Yeah. And also going to show up at a crime scene and be like, I'm going to tell you exactly how this went down. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And she is like, she's a badass. Yeah. Um, right. awesome. Also, the sequel has maybe the best title of any book ever. The, si- the title of the sequel is The Self-Made Widow. Mm. that's good mm. nice. relatable Love it. Like, <laughs> what a great noiry yeah. all right yeah. well you've, <laughs> you've convinced this one to pick up that as his next book read so my yeah. husband <clears throat> listens to this podcast so i can't react to that overtly without raising <laughs> he <a> reacted <laughs> to it chris <laughs> watch your step <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Uh, well, you know what? Thank you. Thank you, everyone here. Thank you for listening. Um, we're going to leave it at that. So join us next Tuesday for season three, episode 13. Oh my God. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for it. You're not. I, I'm You're probably not. not. Mm-hmm. Um, the wrath not. of the lamb. You could not possibly be. Yeah, I, I, I don't you, think I could possibly be. I, I've I'm, seen it multiple times and I'm still not ready for it. Right. Mm. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully mad sort of hinting at the beginning of the year that there were talks again happening will mean that there were talks again happening. What a um, movie. Yeah, movie, a couple movies, please. Um, in the meanwhile, yeah. uh, you can always help us by subscribing, sharing and leaving a nice comment or adding your own thoughts because Lisa bringing one of our listeners thoughts to the table. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. So, send us I mean, messages. Yeah, send us messages. Yes, Let us know you. what you're thinking about Listeners. what we're talking about. We eat that uh, shit up. Are these episodes yes. where we're at? And you like know, freaking Chilton's lip. We we <laughs> will. We may just end up. Yeah, just we suck it down like Hannibal does. <laughs> no. uh, that's amazing. No. Um, that so, was a good uh, time to yeah just yeah wrap Un- it up until until <laughs> next time. Um, make sure you chew your food before swallowing. Don't just suck it down. Uh, This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.